0: Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Morning Break on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Tom Rogers. We are ready once again to kick off The Morning Break with an interview with Harriet Outen about her experience of leaving teaching and going into coding. Second half of the show, I've got part two of my interview with Danny Steele. Stay tuned. It's live. live.
0: from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio.
1: Good morning, people. Uh, I hope you are well this morning. I am live from Liverpool on the morning break on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me this morning live. Um, Two things this morning. In fact, three things. Three guests and three things. Um, The first one is uh, a special guest, Harriet, who is already tuned in, and I'm going to be plugging her into the conversation imminently. But basically, Harriet um, is going to be talking about her experience of leaving teaching and going into coding. Um, and I always think to myself, life's too short for major stress. And I, I think in this kind of COVID era, that couldn't be more true. So in my head, I'm always thinking when people message me through Twitter or just in conversations about you know, how bad things are in their in their schools and stuff like that. I always think, like, try and do something, whether that be move schools, whether that be quit the profession or move jobs or do something to change it because life is too short. Um, And the thing is, there are good schools out there. Um, Okay, difficult to find, but they exist. Now I've worked in nine now in total. And, you know, some of them were good schools. Some of them were good and, and you know, I got on well there and and I didn't feel that terrible sense of dread. Um, so Harriet's going to be talking about a kind of career change and how she left teaching and got into coding. Um, I've also got Jenny Cole who will talk about moving schools. So she maybe experienced something similar. I mean, she'll explain in, in uh, when she comes on, when we listen to her, but no, she experienced uh, something in school that was tough. And she decided to leave and move over to a different school um, and has had a much better experience. So, um, so again, that, that's a slightly different to Harriet, but again, the same angle. And then in the second half of the show, I've got part two of my interview with principal uh, Danny Steele, uh, all the way from the US of A. Uh, last week, we had part one, which was amazing to hear from Danny. He's just a, a fountain of knowledge and wisdom. Steel Thoughts, uh, if you want to find him on Twitter, uh, he's fantastic to to follow and uh, to hear his thoughts. And basically on, on this part of the interview, I go through my top 10 Steel Thoughts and I quote his own tweets at him um, so he can tell us where those tweets came from and how he kind of thought in that way. So fantastic show coming up. Um, I'm going to introduce, first of all, uh, Harriet. Good morning, Harriet.
2: Hi, morning. How are you?
1: Yeah, not too bad. How, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, good. Thank
1: you. Excellent. Um, well, first of all, I have to say thanks to your boss for giving you the time <laughs> to speak to me.
2: No problem. He was really lovely about it, actually. He said immediately, you know, teacher well-being is something that, that, you know, he's really aware of and he, he's got young kids and, and what have you. And he, uh, yeah, he was really, really all for it. So, um, yeah, happy to be kind of talking about teacher, teacher lives and what happens after that if you uh, make a change.
1: Yeah, insane. Ins- I, I, I just about to say insane that somebody outside of teaching doesn't think that teachers just leave at three o'clock and it's one big jolly. So <laughs> yeah, I have uh, boss appreciation here, boss appreciation. So the reason I reached out to you for the show today is because I saw a, a tweet of yours about how you'd left teaching and kind of managed to find some semblance of what we what we like to joke about in teaching of, of work-life balance. Um, <laughs> Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about where it all started? So you, you presumably trained to be a teacher initially. So do you want to take us back to there in terms of, you know, presumably you thought you were going to have a career in teaching?
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I worked in a school um, before I did my PGCE as kind of a, a department assistant and really loved it. Had a brilliant time. It was a lovely school um and then went off to do my PGCE, had a great time again and was was just so full of energy and, and you know excitement and passion for it of just all I wanted to do. Um and then sort of unfortunately gradually over the years and I, I kept sort of I moved schools fairly often to sort of it was sort of chasing the dream, you know, like, oh you know, well, this one hasn't hasn't been great for, for X, Y, and Z reasons, but you know, let's let's try this and let's go for a promotion or let's uh, let's try a different type of school and and just unfortunately, I just realized that the the problem was so widespread um and there was such a such a lot of problems or you know so many problems kind of on a on a wider level um with with what schools are are capable of doing you know it's, it's utter respect to to schools and anyone teaching and anyone in leadership they just they just so have their hands tied when it comes to you know looking after the workforce unfortunately um and um yeah so I just kept kept chasing and kept chasing and then eventually it just got it just got. To the point where i just you know wasn't wasn't as happy as i felt i could be
1: and what were the the key so what were the key reasons that kind of led to that unhappiness then talk us through the process towards leaving teaching
2: gosh i mean there was i was trying to reflect on this too this morning while i was trying to get my thoughts in order and i, I think there were lots of quite specific incidents that happened in, in various schools and i, I think I'm sure other people will have you know other things that they could point to and i don't really want to get into a kind of a witch hunt in specifics of those details but there were also very general things like for instance you know with the with the advent of the eBAC, um, I always felt as as a music teacher and later a computing teacher as well, I always felt that my subject, particularly music, was very fringe. You know, it was always mm. the last thing to be considered, the last thing, you know, oh we'll just pull the kids out of this or, you know, oh you can't have the, the kids to do A-level because they've been asked to do science subjects or, or whatever it is. And there was a real sort of demoralize demoralizing over time when you're giving your heart and soul to a subject and you really care and you advocate strongly for that. So, and I think that's the case in mm. many art subjects and, and you know, yeah. probably other people's experiences where you, you're pouring everything into it and it's just so the last thing on the list, you know, or or, or it, it feels that way, you know, perhaps it perhaps leaders would disagree. But there was that was chipping away at me for a long time. I think a lot of people will also empathise with the sort of post-pandemic children with it. And again, it's not their fault all and i don't want it to sound like i feel it's their fault because it isn't but i think when they came back from from both extended periods of lockdown i think they there was a real sense that they they that maybe like a certainly in my experience like a mistrust of adults or a a different sort of relationship with the adults in the school where they were feeling a bit you know far less kind of on side i don't know whether you experienced this in your classroom but yeah i think um it that was feeling quite tough they were sort of constantly they were kind of feeling that they were against me rather than and I've always had very good relationships with with the kids Hmm. I've taught so that felt very very difficult mentally every day why do you think
1: why do you think that was I mean what what do you mean by against you what does that mean
2: it just kind of felt that there was there wasn't the love sort of that there'd been in previous Mm -hmm. years you know when you and I'm talking about you know key stage three where Mm. you would kind of expect certainly in previous i mean it might have just been a a specific kind of culture in where i was working but i think in previous years you'd kind of have a have a bond and a relationship with a with the class and your form and everyone's where where they would start in their default position that would be oh you know this is this is nice at least some of them you know there's an adult here and and this is fun and we're going to do these nice things and i think because perhaps they'd been left a bit maybe to fend for themselves in lockdown, or maybe that it was that kind of distance from the teachers through a screen, they um I think their default position was very sort of mistrusting of of us, the adults. And that felt really hard over time because it just didn't feel that I was going in there and there was there was like mutual love, you know, that I was kind mm. of happy to see no, I and understand. They were happy back. And that yeah. that chipped away at me for sure. Um and I think as well, just things like not having control of your own working day you know sometimes you what you sign up to do when you start school you know you have this conversation with leadership yeah I want to do so many hours of this so many hours of that this subject that subject, and and actually that that can change so dramatically can't it you know year mm-hmm. to year or even like term to term where they say oh actually we need someone to cover you know year 10 PE or we need someone to take year five whatever and you go <laughs> okay and you you sort of have no choice in that and that can hugely affect your week having to do more planning or having to kind of teach a subject you don't feel comfortable with or lead a PSHE or whatever it is and it seems like a little thing but again when you combine everything together you I don't think you get that in other well I, you know my experience is, isn't isn't that broad but I, I would find it really hard to believe that in working in other industries that you would suddenly have your job quite dramatically changed Mm. in terms of being different from what you thought you were going there to do
1: yeah yeah i totally get where you're coming from there um probably a good time to say welcome to the people who are tuning in live so dominic and lauren uh connellan connell is that someone you know Maybe. Uh n- I, don't know. I don't I don't know. <laughs> no, okay. It sounded like you knew him, but you don't. Uh and P V G eight D seven three nine two K sixty-five V. Welcome to you. And Ottoman U T C. Yeah. Lots of a few people listening live. So uh good morning to to everyone listening out there. Um and obviously if you're listening back on the podcast, we're talk- currently talking about um Harriet's experience of of leaving her teaching role to go into software engineering we're not up to the software engineering but yeah I want to I want to ask you what about because you've mentioned okay you've mentioned um, the kind of relegation of music and the arts and and that's something I think a lot of uh, teachers out there will resonate with if they teach uh, art subjects and that's yeah. difficult to handle over time you've talked about maybe the lack of connection with uh, some of the kids and, and maybe a lack of uh, lack of love as you call it in 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 the rooms over time and maybe that wore down on you um I mean what about workload I mean how are you finding your kind of working schedule uh, both in school and out of school how was how that and how does it compare to well we'll talk about you now in a bit but I mean how does it compare
2: yeah I mean I think I think always in teaching you know the, the workload is is dramatic um I I wonder if there's going to be people listening going, well, she's a music teacher. You know, there's no marking in that and things like that. But (laughs) and and I think that is, you know, there were areas obviously where for music we didn't have to mark as much. But then, of course, Mm. that does get made up with things like, you know, I don't I I barely had lunch breaks um, in many schools. I worked at because we're always running clubs and there's all the concerts and things like that. So there's with teaching with any subject, you know, there's there's loads and loads of extra to do. and, and, And my subjects were no different. Um, again I tried to kind of move schools into different types of environment to see if that would get better I worked in both state and independent I've been in the prep sector I've been in secondary um, I worked at a state boarding school once which was really fun to see and you know, it will that make a difference and and actually you know it, it did just get to the point I remember even you know my NQT year and I know NQT years are notoriously dreadful but I was I would work Finish on Friday. Would work all day Saturday planning because it was it was a requirement that we wrote all our own plans from scratch and often in smaller oh departments as well. You know there was only most schools I've worked at. There've been two music teachers for you know a thousand you know one thousand five hundred kids. Um, so yeah, you're, you're you are often writing your own plans and obviously that gets better year on year. But if you move schools, you have to adapt things and what have you. Um, so I'd work all day Saturday. And then I'd, I'd work half of Sunday and sort of finish at Sunday lunchtime and start my weekend at that point. And that's just not, you know, if you're doing something physically and mentally demanding like teaching and you're having to shoulder all the emotional burdens of what that brings with it and, and kind of be doing it, sort of giving a performance, standing up in front of a class every day, mm. half a day of rest between that is, is not just doesn't cut the mustard, does it? so that was re- really tough and I remember my family saying well why why don't you just leave you know why don't you just leave it and just have a weekend and I went well because then on Monday morning I, I've shot myself in the foot it's not even there's not you know it's not even like I can't yeah. it I have done myself a, a disservice. Well, I, I, think a that's that,
1: I think that's that classic um, don't do anything over the weekend Uh, kind of well-being mantra and then you don't do anything over the weekend but then have double the jobs to do on first thing on Monday morning and you're absolutely snowed under
2: that's
3: right and you're behind
1: and you're in trouble
2: you're the person that suffers ultimately because you know I sort of said I I can't stand in front of a, a, a group of kids who will kind of end up being disruptive if I'm not well planned because you have to help them by being planned and organized so that they feel you know that they can learn safely and you don't get the kind of chaos you know
1: yeah absolutely so w- when was the kind of crunch point when when did you actually make the decision I'm going to leave teaching, and how did you go about that
2: i think I think going back in September was really what so September obviously last year was really what yeah. um kind of put the final nail in the coffin i think um it's a really tough one again I don't want to make it sound like it was one school because it was a decision over time no no I I understand Um, i just think if anyone you know is listening that knows where I've where I've just been but I think and it it wasn't and there's lots of lovely things about that school but I think again it it was I had I had a form group that were very very sort of obviously had suffered from the pandemic and, and their sort of social um you know development and things like that and that Again, not their fault, but I found it really, really tough to kind of yeah. constantly be at loggerheads with them. And I was just getting yeah. up every day and just not, you know, coming home in tears or, or you know, getting to yeah. 9.30, quarters of 10 at night and just feeling so low and just thinking this is not how I want to spend my life, you know, doing this when when I feel like. And and just the school really felt a bit, I think they felt a bit helpless. I think they kind of felt, you know, we're doing, and they were, that they just felt that they were doing everything they could on, within the constraints they were working in and everyone was having such a tough time that they, there wasn't, it was just kind of like, you know, Presumably you do what you can.
1: Pre- presumably there were other teachers. I don't just mean in this school particularly, but th- through this time where you felt like this, presumably there were other teachers you came across who felt the same. You know, it wasn't just you and, and you spoke to them and they said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing the same thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there were, there were lots of teachers that left our school at the end of, um, of the year. I think lots of people had, big life shifts um, for various reasons. You know, people went, I'm going to move out of the area or I'm going to do this, yeah. you know, because people just had got, been through the, the, the worst of the pandemic and had just felt, you know, this, after all of this and all this, perhaps this kind of sense of their own mortality as well, you know, I don't yeah. want to, I don't not want to take take life by the, you know, by the by the horns or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I think uh, that's the thing. If, if, if you're doing what you just said and you're going home and, you're crying, you're upset, it's it's uh, really stressful. I think it only takes a few weeks of that and it can tip someone over the edge. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it only takes a few weeks. It, it it doesn't have to be over a few years. It can just be a few days or a few weeks if it, it really can get on top of you. It depends on your personality, obviously. And, and also, you know, one thing I've always asked myself is when when I've worked in in a school where um it's had shall we say toxic traits Mm. or it's it's been intense when it comes to workload for example um I've always looked at the other teachers and thought how are you doing this like in my head I'm desperate to leave (laughs) I'm desperate to, or I'm desperate to find another way and I look at other people and they they seem to be coping but then equally when you actually speak to them they might not be but they, Some people have an incredible way of, of managing and dealing with situations like that. I always found that, and I always looked in almost jealousy right. at other people, how they could go into this machine-like state where they kind of wake up and they go through the motions and they, they never kind of uh, get out of that veneer of being in control. Right. Now, I wondered whether you think that that is a fair reflection of those people or do you think that they're kind of dying inside, so to speak?
2: Oh, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Yeah. I guess it comes down to individuals, but I think, I think also, like I've wondered a few times whether I need to care less, and that's so sad. Mm, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't want to be in that position, and, and particularly, you know, may, or maybe particularly not with an art subject that does rely so much on investment and passion and creativity. But you mm. know, I, I've kind of wondered maybe, I, maybe it, it should just be viewed as, as as a job in inverted commas, and you know, I shouldn't be kind of just, I shouldn't be caring so much to the point where I'm self, being self-critical. Why can't I get through to this class? Or why can't, why don't these children, why aren't they more excited to see me in the morning? Or, you know, or why, why are they constantly rejecting what I'm trying to get them to do? You know, things like that. Maybe I should just go, Never mind. you know, people don't like everyone. And, and perhaps, perhaps the teachers who are really, really resilient have got that really nailed to the extent where they are able to not kind of not care about the children but they're able to put less pressure on themselves to succeed all the time um but i just found yeah. for my mental health that just wasn't working well for me okay so you come
1: back in september hold that thought because we're sure. going <laughs> to go for a little break now but i want to hear i want to hear when when you came back in september you, you know you had those few weeks and then presumably there was a point where you thought i'm off um so uh, will we'll come back after this break and then i want to hear exactly that process and then how you you got into the career in now okay thank
0: you support with your phonics teaching
1: did you know oxford university press
0: now has three dfe validated programs to help you read write ink phonics floppies phonics and the brand new essential letters and sounds essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may already have in your classroom Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge, and empower your team through the CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course, or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at
1: www.malcpd.com. Okay, welcome back and good morning to Mal. Good morning to Ziza Youssef. Good morning to Katz and good morning to everybody else who's listening to us, whether that's on mobile or on desktop. Um, Harriet, I was just going to ask you now, so you come back in September. You're struggling. You're feeling as though things aren't working out that well. Where's the point where you say, you know what, I'm off? I'm leaving you know when was that point when did that happen? How did you go about it? Did you research other jobs first you know what what was the way out?
2: I think um, it was a really uh, sort of good coming together of a few different events um, i have, I have been um, I had been doing my MPQSL and looking for kind of more responsibilities at my school. Um, and they were sort of unable to to find, you know, to make the capacity for for an assistant uh, assistant head position. But they did kind of give me areas of whole school development to look at. And one of them was thinking about the IT provision in the school. And um, as I say, I, I kind of taught computing in the last year, but I hadn't really done much tech prior to this point. Um, other than just doing music, obviously music and tech mm. do kind of go together quite well because sound recording and sound manipulation and things but I hadn't really been that that techie I would say until until I started being interested in how to use tech tools to to help teachers basically, I was kind of yeah. interested in making life easier for them um, so I started getting really involved with you know what tools can we use to help teaching and learning? can we for instance cut marking time right down by using the, the the office three six five tools to, t- to yeah. be record marking and stuff like that so it was kind of I was much more involved in that and then when it was you know last September and I was thinking this really isn't working out well I was thinking maybe I, it would be great to go on the other side of this and, and you know be building these tech tools so I could still feel like I'm working in education and all the work I've done previously in developing myself as an educator doesn't just go you know under the, under the bus but actually. Yeah. I, I can work within education, but maybe working with these tools instead of being actually, you know, the chalk face.
1: Got you. Okay. So you you, you presumably started to think, you know, along this idea of software development and, and maybe moving out of the classroom and, and out of schools, but staying in the kind of education realm, if That's you like, right. but within within that. Um so did so presumably you came back in September. I mean, when did you leave? Did you leave at the Christmas? Did you leave the following summer? I mean, when did you go?
2: Yeah, so I, I stuck it out to the end of the school year.
1: Um, please. Wow. It.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it did get much easier. Obviously, to be fair, obviously the um schools shut again in sort of from January. To uh, oh January yeah. To yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
2: uh, march wasn't it so um, and and again you shouldn't be relying on a global pandemic to help your job. <laughs> um, but but it did you know it did sort of feel like that because unfortunately, yeah it's so, that's so unfortunate to say that isn't it but no. actually being able to work remotely just gave me that distance from the the kind of emotional uh sort of battles I'm gonna say yeah that no we I having I've... with some of the children
1: do you know what I also think there's that psychological thing as well of driving into a or commuting into a place that is psychologically very very difficult for you to be in, yeah. And I think taking that element out uh, is it um, can be huge. You Absolutely. know, it, it's, the the physical building can spell psychological danger mm-hmm. and and real dread. You know, I I remember one particular school I worked in, and the building itself was a symbol of just all this angst and every time I saw and just the walking in to that building was just the most depressing thing so I Mm. suppose with remote you're kind of just at least taking that element out um, and and you are becoming more detached so I think for someone who enjoys the school they're in you know I I think back to you know I, I worked in a school in Spain and I absolutely loved it there had a fantastic relationship with the kids in particular. And for me to, so when I was there working in that school, if someone had said, oh, you're going remote, I, w- I wouldn't have liked that because actually I, I that I gave me a massive buzz hanging around with those kids every day and teaching them. You know, it, it was a huge buzz for me. Mm. So I wouldn't have liked to have gone remote. However, when I think back to some of the the more, toxic experiences and environments that I've worked in, if someone had said you can work remotely for three months, it would have felt like a rest. It would have felt like, you know, uh, a chance to just reset and recharge the batteries.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, that was really great. And um, and the other thing that happened at, at that Christmas is that the, the school I was previously at, the head left. Um, and that meant that the SLT had to just sort of cope at the capacity that they, they had, which meant that they brought another teacher in at, at my level, which meant that he helped and shared some of the some right. of the pastoral duties that I was doing. So that that was massively helpful too. But again, you can't rely on these sort of no. a- accidents of, of chance, you know. Disasters. To... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah you, can't, you can't go, well, let's hope that the school's shut so that I can, you know, manage to do <laughs> my job. Um, yeah, but that that did make a massive difference to being able to sort of exist until until the end of the year I mean obviously we went back in the summer but it, then it's it's not many yeah. weeks then is it so
1: yeah so you decide to leave uh the, the following summer I, I'm wondering now whether we could move on to where you enter your new job mm-hmm. and what the kind of comparisons are between the job you're doing now and your teaching of music and what the comparisons are
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> very different, obviously. Um, so my contract now is fully remote, completely remote, which is one of the sort of key stipulations that I really wanted when I was job hunting. Um, I did actually also retrain. So I retrained part-time from January to, to basically to June, uh, just in case anyone listening to this is kind of thinking about a similar path and perhaps we may get on yeah. later, but yeah. I yeah.
1: Did... Cause I was going to say, I did read that you've been doing these evening classes God knows how you're doing that. Presumably that was during remote, because, I mean, if you were in school, it would have been tougher. But maybe not, because you would have gone back in the March or April.
2: That's right. Yeah, it started remote, which, again, made such a difference, really did, yeah. being able yeah. to, to, to fit that in. I think it would have been yeah. so much harder. So that 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 kind of li- lined up really nicely. But, but also, um, yeah, I mean, it's just something I had to kind of lump you know just i have to lump it for a couple of a couple of months and think that there's there's something better on the other side of this but yeah i was doing evenings and all day saturday um retraining um and then yeah so i mean my job now is just it, it just looks and feels completely different um, as I say, I'm completely home based, which is which is a delight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can get up later. I mean, that's what that's when I when I originally tweeted that, and you saw the tweet. I was coming home from a party in East London. that was like a reunion gathering of all the people I trained with, and and just being, I was so full of joy, and my life, you know, I, I just looked at the different. <laughs> and and they, they,
1: hated you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they hated you. They hated you. they got drunk and they started swearing at you and telling you to leave the party because <laughs> no. your eyes were full of the spirit of life
2: <laughs> <laughs> well no they were they were um software developers rather than teachers um oh. but yeah they, they no. honestly te- i wouldn't i wouldn't be, uh, be am i allowed to make a joke
1: am i of allowed to make course. a joke about a boring party with uh, being a boring <laughs> party with software developers or not
2: they're actually remarkably fun
1: are I think they the, uh, well I,
2: I think i hope that the image of a, of a software developer maybe the stereotype is is shifting a little bit now i hope yeah, you know, more, more women i'm only
1: America kidding, kidding right? no I'm, you're, you're, I'm, right,
2: though, you're right there. you're right um but yeah just being able to do that you know and, and being able to go to the pub with friends yeah you know, I don't want to make myself sound like an alcoholic but just you know on occasion just being able to do that or on a Sunday night to do a quiz yeah, with friends yeah, or yeah. just never ever ever would have happened no never would have happened in you know if I was getting up at six or quarter to six to drive to school yeah yeah you know being able to get up later, being able to sit at my desk and have a kind of Sort of more, more easy start if I need to. There's not the pressure to immediately be stand in front of a room, standing in front of a room of yeah. kids at 8:30 and yeah. what have you. So, so just, just even that little thing makes a massive difference. Being able to go for a run at lunchtime, being able to walk my dog at lunchtime, and spend all day with my dog. You know, those, those things are just astronomically important. So, and know, do you think culturally?
1: Again. Yeah, absolutely. And you think culturally in terms of the way in which the culture and and kind of leadership culture or the wider culture or whatever, presumably that enables you to do that as well. It's not just a case of being remote, which obviously helps, but there's there's also kind of a, oh yeah, that's fine. Like doing this interview now, for example, you know, that tells me it's a healthy culture because somebody somewhere has thought, oh, it'll be a good idea that, you know, to let, let her do that kind of thing, you know.
2: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And there's yeah, there's kind of two phases I think here. There's the phase of of coming out of education, which is a notoriously difficult place for well being, into an area that that perhaps typically doesn't have those problems but then also the kind of next phase next level of that is actually going into a company and and, you know I'm I'm incredibly privileged and and happy to be in in a company that is just so lovely you know you hear from all areas of the business or people I don't even know very well just saying Mm -hmm. oh this is such a lovely company to work for and yeah the the team I work in and the management I have are just so so kind and supportive Um, and I think it's very important to them in terms of retention of people but also just in terms of having a nice place to work you hear them talk about it all the time it's really important to us to employ kind people nice people to kind of keep that and at the forefront of our minds and it's and it's it's stark and you know pointed that they have the capacity to be able to do that in a in you know, school culture at the moment where I think, I don't think it's that leadership in lots of schools aren't, don't want to do it. And I don't think it's that they wouldn't do it if they had the chance. I just think they don't, they can't, they're they're stretched and they're struggling. I agree. I
1: I think there's a lot of things, a lot of accountability measures that that prevent people at leadership level from being able to make the decisions that they probably deep down inside want to make. Um, They can't afford to do that. Also, I think if you've got perhaps less confident leaders or less competent leaders then that pressure will make them could make them do silly things that will make yes. things even worse and and i think you the problem is if you put somebody who is not a expert at that level at the top end and then put a huge amount of pressure on them then usually that pressure is then going to filter down the chain and yeah. it's going to and it's going to uh, come down to the teachers or the the, the other employees you know that's, that's right. just the way it's going to work um
2: that's right
1: so yeah so that, that i that is so i mean i i can completely imagine that and and interestingly enough there's somebody on twitter i think his twitter handle is something like short and talk or something um i can't remember i don't know his actual name but I, I like his twitter account and he was talking about um he was saying that during remote l- teaching it was less intense mm. and and I and, and something about that resonated with me. And he said, oh, we've come back and it's it's gone back to what it was and it's unsustainable because people have seen another way or experienced another way. And I'm guessing now for you, kind of, I'm sure you sit there, you must wonder, how did I do that? <laughs> how, how did I work in that way?
2: Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I guess I get... Now yeah. you've come
1: out of it, you could probably never go back to that in any environment
2: it's really difficult isn't it and, and as I was kind of gearing up to leave and lots of you know lots of the parents at my school knew that I would ma- have made this this kind of life yeah, move and yeah. uh and the teachers and, and people were saying you know without wanting to sound me you know retelling this one to sound too arrogant people were saying oh it's such a loss and you know we're really sorry to be losing you and why are you walking yeah. away you're, you're, you're so suited to this and and I was kind of saying you know maybe it's not it's not never never you know i'd like to be open-minded and think you know this is something i've given a lot of my life to maybe one day if the circumstances were right i would walk back in but to be honest right now you know that having seen the the other side and what what other people's kind of work-life balance can be it just seems far too far too attractive to to work in another field where you can just
3: Mm.
2: be healthy and be happy you know Mm. you, you can't teaching is such a noble thing to do and it's such an important thing to do but but there does come a point where you can't continue to put yourself behind everything else and that that mm. is the thing with teaching it it the children have to come first and that's the right thing that is the right thing that the children come first yeah but it is it, you are the sacrifice and you i think as a human being you can only be the sacrifice for so long
1: yeah absolutely and yeah yeah i'm just glad um that you know things have, have kind of worked out because you are you it does sound like you're really enjoying your your current role so yes. that's the main thing isn't it's it
2: wonderful it's really really good and you know even just to the to the extent I was reflecting on this this morning you know we have we actually have a bespoke person on the team who I mean I suppose this isn't his only job but part of his job is that he deals with workflow and efficiency and who is doing what when and who, who how are people spending their time not in a yeah. micromanagement way but just a how can we make the best of this resource? How can we make sure our resource, which is the people who are doing the work, how can yeah. we make sure they are working to, to the best efficiency and, and capacity and doing what we need them to do? And and that, you know, again, it's not micromanagement. It's just sort of really, really efficient and really thoughtful working. And just, you would, can you imagine how you just never really have that in tea? I mean, maybe pe- perhaps people listening back to this will say, oh, we have something like that. But <laughs> I've never, ever experienced anyone really, really thinking about you know how are teachers? What are what teachers putting their time into? How can we streamline mm. this? How can we make sure the output is what we need it to be for the effort expended? And if you know, if if you had somebody like that in schools, maybe that would make such a massive difference to to people where they're using their energy and, and what they the, getting the greatest output out of that. But that seems yeah, to I mean, be more some schools in other areas,
1: some schools have you know well-being coordinators, don't they, or people responsible for teacher well-being? But I'm not convinced that. Those things are really looked at in in a really kind of practical way where mm. decisions are actually being made and steps are actually being taken on a practical level um to to make things better you know yeah, um that's right. anyway Harriet it's been an absolute pleasure. thank you for taking the time out to speak to me and uh yeah and this this will obviously if you're listening back to this as a podcast already, then welcome if you're not listening back to to this as a podcast, it will be available as one. Well. Uh, shortly after the show finishes, so thank you, Harriet, thank and you uh, for hopefully maybe pop back, pop back in again at some point because I'd love to hear you know that as the story progresses. Uh, oh, great! And yeah, see how things are going. Check back and in.
2: Uh, and also, you know, if people do want to reach out, um, I'm at Cords and Code on Twitter, and if people want to you know talk to me more specifically about getting into software or, or you know retraining yeah. or anything like that, I'm happy to help anyone who's who's you know hoping to make the change and is really struggling.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you, Harriet, and you take care. Thanks, Tom. That was Harriet Alton talking about her experience of leaving teaching and going into software development. Um, Now, I mentioned at the start of the show that she's not my only guest today talking about her experience of leaving teaching, although this one is actually moving jobs. And so we're going to hear after a short break, we're going to hear from Jenny Cole, who actually moved from one job to another and it changed her working life
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with megan goods
4: this is your latest teachers talk radio news The government has laid out plans to make offering, advertising or providing essay writing services to university and college students for financial gain illegal. The new measure will be part of the Skills and Post 16 Education Bill, which hopes to transform further and technical education. The Department for Education said it hopes the criminalisation of essay mill services will stop students from falling prey to deceptive marketing techniques from contract cheating services. The latest coronavirus figures show that 204,000 students were absent in England last week due to contracting or having close contact with the virus. This equates to 1 in 40 students off school in England, up from 1 in 80 on September 7th. Teaching unions have called the statistics grim and fear it is the unvaccinated status of the majority of 10 to 19-year-olds that is causing the rise. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News.
0: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppy's Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics.
3: Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Deanna Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about Black British, Caribbean and African history, here to teach you all the things left out of your schoolbooks. Make sure you subscribe to The History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at The History Hotline on Instagram and at The History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes.
0: Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge, and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses? All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management.
1: Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the morning break on Teachers Talk Radio. If you're listening live, thank you for joining us and tuning in on this, well, not so sunny Thursday, but it's all right, actually, out there today. It's not too bad compared to the previous days. We've been discussing leaving teaching. It was fantastic to talk to Harriet about her journey into coding. Uh, she left teaching to go into software engineering, and if you want to listen back to that at a later point, then then please do. Um, I wanna hear next from Jenny. I asked Jenny to record a really short uh, segment for us just about her journey out of uh, one school and into another one, and how her experience in doing that uh, changed the way she saw work and the way she experienced work. So let's have a listen to that.
5: I've worked in a variety of roles in my 20 year career in education. Um, in middle and extended leadership. And I was approached in December, 2019 by a head teacher from an academy chain um, and decided to make the move um, onto their leadership scale, taking up a whole school responsibility. Um, I started in April, 2020, which was obviously during lockdown, which was pretty weird to be fair. Um, I was full of enthusiasm, but when I actually got there in the September, I found that it was a lot of micromanagement and the team of staff that I was working with at the particular school was the most hardworking staff I've ever worked with and yet it felt like they just weren't appreciated um, by the leadership team. And it was actually quite heartbreaking to see and to watch um, as a new person at the school. Um, I only stayed there for a year. The lockdown helped me to regain my perspective on work-life balance. I decided that it was worth taking a massive pay cut. I moved school. I'm now teacher of in a really lovely school. I have no responsibility. I now have no stress. And a prime example was being able to come home midweek on a Wednesday and sit and watch a film on Disney with my daughter without feeling stressed or like I had things to do. So I've regained my joy and my work-life balance. Um, I would highly recommend it. Um, it's meant that I'm enjoying work again instead of dreading work.
1: That was uh, Jenny, Jenny Cole. Uh, so interesting to hear these different stories of people who've changed schools or left teaching or whatever and experienced something completely different. And credit to them, because it's a brave move. You know, it's not easy to just get up and leave and, and do what you think you want to do and leave everything behind and it is a gamble, but more often than not, from the people that you speak to, it it pays off for them, you know, because they're 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 going for something else that they're passionate about, whether that be a school move or whether that be simply a career move, whether that be one or the other, you know, it, it te- when you speak to them, if they seek something passionate, if they seek their passion and they go for it, then it tends to work out in the end. Um, Maybe a message, and I found it interesting what Harriet said, and it kind of resonated as well with what Jenny said, both of them this idea of life's too short you know you've got to kind of pounce at the opportunity try and make the changes that you want to make try and make the changes that you can make that are in your control so anyway, that was that, and amazing to speak to those two and what I'm going to do now what we've got now a special treat is part two of my interview with Danny Steele, his top ten steel thoughts um now I loved. Uh, recording this interview with Danny Um, it was absolutely fantastic Uh, there are laughs in it there are uh, certainly a lot of poignant things that he said in this interview in part two that really stuck with me and I wrote a lot of stuff down actually uh, chatting to him Uh, Danny's someone I followed for a long while and if you want to listen to part one of my interview with him that was on last week's morning break with me last Thursday so you just search on the ttradio.org website And just search danny Steele, and you will find part one this is part two uh so sit back get a drink and enjoy right danny so uh we're gonna now talk a little bit to finish off about your steel thoughts which is your like kind of i don't know it's like the dalai lama of education is these thoughts that come to danny Steele while he's sleeping at night in dreams and then he tweets them out on twitter and they just blow up the education world. And and I was saying there's only one person in education who I think gets more likes than Danny Steele, and that's Barack Obama. There's no one else I can think of, right? So thinking about these steel thoughts, I've picked ten steel thoughts from the last six months that I'm going to share with you. And then I'd like you to give me a very succinct one minute as to where that steel thought came from and why it's an important steel thought. Are you ready for the top 10 still thoughts?
6: I'll I'll do my best.
1: This is important. This is the most important thing you've probably ever done. Okay, Steel thought number one. Kids are not complicated. They like to feel supported, encouraged, and valued the same as teachers.
6: Where did it come from? Why is it important? Well, I, I talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs And so that's, you know, it's a theory of motivation from a psychologist back in the fifties, I think, who talks about the different levels of needs. And I think it's, and and it's something I really subscribe to. And so I think it's important that teachers recognize these very basic human needs of students. And I think it's important that administrators recognize that teachers need those exact same things. And it's not about being a kid or an adult. It's about being human. We all crave the same sorts of things. Okay, that was good. It was it was a good start. That's
1: number one. Number two, leaders don't always have the answers, but they can always demonstrate compassion. They probably can't fix every problem, but they can always show support. They might not have the expertise, but they can always collaborate with those who do.
6: Well, when I talk to young, uh, to new principals or assistant principals, I often will tell them, teachers are not looking for instructional leadership. And they're what they're really looking for is support. If you ask any teacher, what do you look for in administration? What do you want in your director, or your principal? They, they say, I want someone that's got my back, someone's gonna support me. So, So recognizing that that you don't have to have the answers and to be to be honest, teachers are oftentimes not looking for answers, they're looking for support. And it's important for principals to be willing to be vulnerable, to be human and to acknowledge that, yeah, they're not the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. And it's important to recognize that there are experts though within the building. And that part of your job as, as a leader is to leverage the strengths and and, expertise of other people in the building and collectively that's when you can when you pool all of that wisdom and knowledge that's when you can really make the school a magical place
1: love that okay number three i'm inspired by teachers but it's not usually their lessons that i find inspiring it's their energy their heart and their passion that fire me up these teachers make the school a better place just by walking in the door
6: When you think about your favorite teacher, when you think about a teacher that has impacted you, you probably don't remember a lesson. You probably don't remember how well scaffolded their instruction was or how brilliant their interventions were. Um, But you think about maybe the stories that they told. You think about whether or not they were nice to you you think about whether or not they were funny you think about whether or not they enjoyed what they did and those are the those are the types of qualities that really make an indelible impression on students and so oftentimes the teachers that really have those qualities in spades are the ones that that leave the greatest legacy with students love that okay number four I remember
1: receiving an email from a parent. She wanted to brag on one of our folks. She wrote, every time I talk to your teacher, I feel better about my daughter's future. Think about that. Educators don't just make a difference for kids. They matter to parents, too. That's an interesting one.
6: I I am hoping to always have my head on a swivel for how I can inspire for opportunities to inspire our teachers. And I really think those opportunities are more frequent oftentimes that, that we realize when I received that email, it absolutely fired me up. And for me, it poignantly captured the huge impact that our faculty can make. And I just, I took, I, so I emailed that to the staff. And I, for me, it was an opportunity to remind them of just the awesome work that they do, and they're not just impacting kids, but they're oftentimes having a huge impact on those kids' parents as well.
1: Number five, I think we're up to now. Um, (laughs) Number five isn't actually steel thought. Number five is just a tweet by someone else about about steel thoughts. Okay, which I found, which I thought was quite funny, Um, and it's from. At Miss H Teachers 4. And you haven't responded to her tweet, Danny. So you better get over there when we finish this interview and respond to her tweet. Okay. Because it's important. Her tweet says, shout out to your Twitter account. Seriously, it's like you can read my mind, exploding head emoji. I'd love to follow you. Can you follow me? (laughs) It's not a steel thought, but I've put it out there.
6: Let me. When we finish this, I don't have a pen in front of me. When we finish this, will you send me that tweet? I have to send you it because I've included it in the top ten. It's not even one of your thoughts; it's someone else's. Because yeah. I definitely want to uh engage with that, and I'm happy to follow her. Um, you don't
1: have to, Danny. I'm only kidding. You don't really have to follow her. No, <laughs> no. But
6: I, when people take the time to, yeah, to, like that, and certainly when they take the time to send such a thoughtful um, little note like that, that inspires me. It yeah. Helps going to think i thought it might that's why i mentioned it 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 everyone wants to have an impact right and so when people tell me that my words are having an impact yeah um it makes me feel good well they are because she didn't
1: actually send that as a public tweet she sent it as a as a at steel thoughts and then sent that so she was only sending it to you which is quite she wasn't sending it publicly
6: and i missed it there's a whole lot yeah i can can imagine i just can't keep up with it all yeah my attention. Right, okay, back to the Steel
1: Thoughts. Okay, Student. Uh, this is number five or six now, whatever it is, six. Students are generally more excited about learning when the teacher is excited about teaching. The engagement of the kids is usually connected to the enthusiasm of the adult. Now in British Edu Twitter, Danny, just to warn you, because there's like American Edu Twitter and there's British Edu Twitter. Now in British Edu Twitter, generally, the teachers in Britain are like, oh it's so progressive american edgy twitter oh it's so like engagement and fun and 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 clowning and and oh it's all like if they whereas the be the counter argument i guess on british ed because we're all dour aren't we over it we're all very it's not there's not much fun going on over here. it's the weather i think but it, it we're all very dour and we look at, and at these kind of statements from from uh, in American, go oh, that's American edgy Twitter. I can't handle it. I like something more kind of like my account, very depressing and morose, and you know that kind of thing. And um <laughs> and and basically, I, I suppose the counter arguments that would be well, it's not about engagement. In- engagement is part of it, but it's about just the imparting of knowledge. It's about the quality of the teaching. It's about the qu- the quality. Of the teaching but also how interesting the subject is willing should engage the student that should be engagement enough that that so in other words english literature dickens right the great works shakespeare whatever that should be enough the teacher shouldn't need to kind of get on stage and and pull out the kind of like you know um jazz hands and kind of tap dance and oh let's be engaging let's be entertaining and i suppose there is that perception out there that that's kind of like your your ultra-progressive end Uh, and and in Britain I guess there's that movement towards something more traditional which is the kind of consensus now in Britain I say consensus it's more the governmental consensus is is that more traditional avenue
6: right well when I get a chance to talk to groups of teachers um, or administrators uh, I frequently will tell the story of my eighth grade science teacher Uh, in my office on a on my bookshelf i've got a rock box it's that i made in the eighth grade it's one of the school few school projects i ever cared about or remember and i i hold on to it to this day in my office my eighth grade science teacher loved rocks that was his passion his his hobby and he had us build this rock box and he would give us rocks if we learned stuff about him and i learned to care about rocks because my teacher was so Energized and excited about rocks, and I thought, you know, if you can make a 12-year-old boy care about rocks as a teacher, you've got it going on. <laughs> it sits in my It sits in my office because it's a reminder to me about the power of enthusiasm mm-hmm. and how our energy is contagious and infectious. So now I, I don't want, I don't ever want to put undue pressure on teachers to have to be a master performer and to have this brilliant dog and pony show tap dancing in front of kids. <laughs> I wasn't exaggerating
1: there, Danny. We don't really do that in Britain. That's not like <laughs> something they have to do here, you know what I mean?
6: <laughs> I, But I don't want, there have been people who have perceived my, who have misconstrued my tweets like that mm. to put too much pressure on teachers. Um, my oldest son always hated English. He hated reading. He hated writing. He never liked it. But in the 10th grade, English was his very favorite subject. Now, why is that? It was because his teacher was so excited about teaching English. That doesn't mean that you have to have these, like, crazy, ridiculously charismatic lessons or performances. But the energy matters. Like, whether or not you yeah. love what you're doing mm-hmm. and You can love what you're doing and have great energy without having planned some elaborate teach like a pirate lesson. (laughs) So, I mean, those are all well and good, but no teacher can pull that off every day. Mm -hmm. Every teacher can love what they're teaching. And so like, I think it's just very, very naive to think that the quality of the material, the quality of the curriculum is the only variable that. Needs to matter. Um, I think just the the maybe
1: not maybe not the only variable, but I suppose they would argue that's the that's the top thing. That's the, the the thing that that's the the oracle. Right? It's the curriculum.
6: You know. I would say that's just not the reality. And I would say if you ask any you know almost every person I ever talk to, when when they're talking about why they gravitate to a certain class, it's not the subject. Usually they're gravitating to. It's the personality in the room. It's the fact that that teacher is so nice or that teacher cares about what they're doing. Oh, right. Yeah. What, what, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've got you. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Right. I understand
6: why some people would push back on that sentiment. Well, it ain't me. I like it. I, I'm just, yeah, yeah I'm but just I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always push back on that pushback. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, this is number seven. Is it? Yeah, we're up to seven. I think so. Okay. Uh, Yeah, this is it. I remember a teacher telling me when you're surrounded by superstars, it makes you want to be better than you are. That's the power of collaboration, the power of positive peer pressure. The best teachers don't just inspire their students. They inspire their colleagues.
6: That's Uh When I had that conversation, it was actually not in my own school building. I was visiting another school as a part of an accreditation team. And we were observing classes and talking to teachers. And I was talking to a teacher that I knew who was sort of new in that school. And she was just talking about what an inspiring environment was to work there. Yeah. She was founded by a lot of really, really good teachers. And it was it was encouraging her to elevate her game. So I, you know, peer pressure never ends and I think it just speaks to the ability uh, that teachers have to not just encourage uh, and and impact their students, but they actually can inspire and encourage their colleagues. Um, Everyone wants to to do well when those are doing well.
1: Makes sense. Uh, And I love this one, an organization where the staff cannot ever question or challenge the boss is not a healthy organization. Leaders who create a culture where staff never feel free to disagree with them to their face can be assured they are doing it behind their back. That's a good one.
6: I've worked in both organizations. I've worked in organizations where people did not feel free to question the boss and those organizations are toxic and the morale is terrible. Uh, And I've also worked in organizations where leaders were transparent and and vulnerable and collaborative and welcomed feedback. And it just makes all the difference in the world.
1: How do you do do that? How do you share, do you you share your mistakes? Do you share your failures? Do you share, I mean, how do you create that vulnerability as a leader? What do you do? Do you just be yourself? I mean, how do you do it?
6: Yeah. some of the best advice I ever got before I was, when I was going into my first year as a principal at an English department head who said, Danny, just be yourself. Um, it's very important to be yourself. Um, you know, assuming that your personal authentic self is not a jerk. Um, uh, I, I think it's important to be vulnerable. Um, you know, it's sort of a paradox, but there's strength and vulnerability. That when you're vulnerable, that makes you human that makes you relatable, that that makes people want to follow you. That's compelling. Uh, Authenticity is just inherently compelling. And uh, so everybody knows you're not perfect. Everybody knows you sometimes screw up. And so if you're honest about it, it just makes you more, you know, it gives you a little bit of integrity as a leader.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, That makes perfect sense. Uh, And I think this is the last one. Oh, I've got two more. But anyway, Uh, when you have a difficult, disrespectful, and defiant student, my biggest tip for you is to have lots of conversations with them when they're not in trouble. These conversations are where you build rapport. And that rapport makes future confrontations less likely.
6: I think teachers who are really strong in classroom management, they understand the role that at least intuitively, the role that Maslow's hierarchy of needs plays in the classroom. And I'm not talking about the bottom level with where students are, you know, they're hungry. Everyone knows that if they're hungry, they're not thinking about the lesson. But I'm thinking about the middle of the pyramid that talks about relationships and peer acceptance. You know, oftentimes teachers think that uh, the lesson is the most important thing or that's certainly how they kind of operate. The reality is everything else in the kid's life trumps the lesson. And so it's important to never put kids in a situation where they have to save face because when the teacher does that when they embarrass a kid in front of their peers it oftentimes is gonna escalate it into disrespect or defiance and then it's everyone loses in that scenario. So uh, building relationships, building rapport with students when you're not in the middle of trying to confront them or admonish them or reprimand them you're just always going to have more success with students and when you build the relationships that means you're not spending nearly as much time trying to manage the behavior
1: yeah for sure um in in saying that it's also important isn't it to acknowledge that everyone at some point just can't handle kids <laughs> okay it's like i'm just having a bad day right now just just you know when there's 30 there and you've got 30 kids and you've been teaching all day and you just get it wrong. Like, I mean, I've done it, that a million times.
6: Last, uh, w- within the last week, a week or two ago, I actually had a dream that I was back in the classroom. <laughs> I was trying to manage the students, and kids were up walking around. I couldn't get anyone sitting in their desk. They were talking out of turn. It was like a nightmare.
4: <laughs> and
6: so, we've all had experiences where a kid is just maybe getting on our last nerve, and we just don't know how to respond to it. And it, it makes us irritable. And then when we're irritable, we respond to them in ways yeah. that make it worse. So oh,
1: You're normal, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're normal. It's just tough, isn't it? Um, and last one, uh, there are outstanding teachers around the country who work every day in jeans. There are mediocre teachers around the country. <laughs> I love this. I love that. I'm gonna start again, because it's just classic. There are outstanding teachers around the country who work every day in jeans. That's right, folks. Danny Steele said jeans. There are mediocre teachers around the country who work every day in jeans. The variable here is not denim. I'm all about professionalism, but that concept is about much more than fabric. Over to Danny Steele. Oh my goodness, he's bringing—he's dropping the uniform bombs.
6: So, you know, the context here is that I was a new principal, and, in this school, yeah. And everyone wanted to know what my expectation was with what they were allowed to wear. And so that's why this was on my mind. Um I've you know I've I've been places where um certainly heard of places where jeans were not tolerated because that's not professional. Um and I've been places where you know there was it was kind of a free for all. Mm. I I just think uh i just i i'm in what i really care about is teaching and learning and yeah and 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 like genes are just that doesn't make the top 100 things that impact teaching and learning like so i just want to what about tattoos what does that have to do with teaching and learning Uh, So I get, I get that I'm going to step on some toes here, but one of the things, you know, we actually spent some time this year thinking through issues of dress code. Uh, Most of us are dealing with archaic dress codes for students and maybe dress codes for staff, I suppose, but I think at least in the states, according to our uh, legal precedents and the Supreme Court over the decades has ruled in on dress code issues. A dress code can, in a school for students certainly can rest on three things really. Uh, safety of students, preserving the learning environment and community norms. So how do you connect? Once upon a time, for example, you could connect tattoos or nose rings, or it used to be you know, earrings for boys or whatever, you could connect that to community norms because no one was wearing them. And it was, it was like a scandal. But when you walk around town, everyone's got tattoos or I go to a restaurant and all the waiters and waitresses have nose rings. So I mean like you can't, there are no community norms now that we can somehow tie some of these traditional prohibitions to. Um, the other thing is I think you run into some some, definitely some equity issues related to gender. When you're like, if you're, if you're restricting, I know this is not really what you were getting into. No, no, it's good. Go, go. But but I, and I, I acknowledge that it's going to be controversial with some folks. But like traditionally, we've always restricted the lengths of skirts and shorts. Right? On, uh sh- Skirts and shorts for female students. And that's that's to my recollection. It's so we don't distract the boys. Well, that's the boys problem. We got to teach our boys to control themselves. And so, anyway, um, I think I think that there are school systems certainly all over the states that would do well to reevaluate um, their dress code and the things they care about. And ultimately, we have to tie it back to student safety, the learning environment, and and community norms. Donnie, I think we're going to finish off by you telling us about.
1: And this is is this like a world exclusive about your two books. On steel thoughts.
6: Well, I've not yet. I've not yet. I don't. I don't. I don't think I've put it out on Twitter. Um, It's a world exclusive. It's a
1: teachers' talk radio exclusive.
6: I'm. I'm very excited that uh, in a few months, I think November 30th is the scheduled release date. I have two books coming out um, that are. Over the years, I've had teachers reach out to me and say, "Hey, can you do a, a a steel thought a day calendar?" Yeah. And so this is kind of the, the closest thing we can do to that is I've got a book of 365 quotes for teachers, one for every day of the year. And a quote of a book of 365 quotes for school leaders, one for every day of the year. And these, these quotes, which just essentially, you know, steal thoughts come from the Twitter feed. They're intended to, to motivate, inspire, encourage, challenge. Uh, educators, teachers and principals, school leaders to just reflect on why they do what they do uh, and to encourage them that the important work they do really is making a difference. So
1: they're both out maybe end of November, December. Yep. Yep. Real. Can't wait for that. I was going to ask you on that. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? Do you ever think to yourself, who am I to say this? Or if sort of if, like, like that, like that tweet, tweet that I shared with you earlier from that person who said, oh, um, you know, Danny, I love your Twitter, whatever. Do you ever think, oh, hang on, maybe there's someone better than me to do what I'm doing and therefore I shouldn't do it. Maybe I should leave it to someone better. Or do you think, you know what? I'm good enough for this. This is what I'm good at this. So that I'm I'm happy with this. I'm doing it. And loads of people are getting something from it and that's it. Or do you sometimes sit back and go imposter syndrome? I'm an imposter in this kind of like world, whatever that world is, being a great principal, being, you know, uh, publishing books, doing this, doing that, or do you just kind of take it in your stride?
6: The, it's it's gratifying um, and rewarding when people have told me that that what I do on Twitter makes a difference for them. Uh, it it reminds them and encourages them about the work they do, um, inspires them. Um, I sometimes for me it's a little bit of therapy if I get something. Yeah. Same I like for to, me, I to share. Yeah, yeah. I like to be able to share what I'm reflecting on. Um, but the last two schools I've been at, I've talked to some close colleagues, and I've said, you know, my full like, Twitter is like a side thing. Like my full time job is I'm a, I'm a good yeah, old, yeah, old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I've I've said if you ever see a tweet from me that is not consistent with how I go about my job every day please call me out because, you know, all we have is our integrity when it comes down to it. And one of my goals is to always be authentic. And so I don't ever want there to be a disconnect uh, between what I put out on Twitter and how I go about connecting with students and staff every day at work. Um, You know, the, the only times I sort of, have gotten a little bit sour on Twitter is is when you deal with haters who misconstrue your tweets or just you know talk about spitting out platitudes that are meaningless. And we need someone who's willing to tackle real problems. Um, and so sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't have a thick enough skin.
1: So how do you get, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with what we'd call in, in modern terms trolling, you know. Yeah. Because you will you will get some of that. Anybody who yeah. has social media yeah, i have.
6: I've um I feel like I've developed a little bit of a thicker skin over the last six years. Um uh there've been times where someone was really I felt like being very hateful or just or snarky or whatever, sarcastic. And I've sent someone a DM before. Yeah. I've given them my cell number. And said, "Please call me. I'd be interested yeah. to about this." And they don't. Um, and so sometimes, you know, people just like to throw stones from a distance. They don't actually want to engage. Because I have tried to reach out and engage with some people who really pushed back. And they, um, you know, but I don't want to do banter on Twitter. Like exactly. I, I have engaged a few times uh, on DMs with people who are pushing back to try to clarify uh, maybe a misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, and there was actually a time where I uh, recently I deleted the tweet because it was there were too many people who were misunderstanding it. Yeah, you know, I always want to be part of the solution. Um, uh, overall, I feel like the positive outweighs the negative. And um, yeah, so well,
1: connected. you got to speak. You had to speak to me for like an hour or so.
6: Yeah. yeah, it's work.
1: Come on. Anyway, Danny, it's been an absolute thank you so much because uh, I've got so much out of that on a purely selfish level. From everything you said, like I've written down a whole page of stuff that's gonna be for me. So you're like well, brilliant.
6: I I appreciate um I appreciate you reaching out. It's a cool experience to connect with someone across the pond. Yeah, it is. It who is. Has a very who has a very different sort of set of experiences. Um, but I, I appreciate the the work you do. I appreciate the platform you give to educators uh, and the way you're trying to encourage. Uh, encourage people who are involved in the work. So thanks for giving me this opportunity. It was good to connect with you face-to-face.
1: Legend, Danny. Thanks very much. Speak to you soon. That was Danny Steele. What a fantastic interview. Thank you for tuning in to the morning break this week. I will be back at the same time next week uh, with more interviews, news, reviews, analysis of all things education. See you next week, all.